Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Um, yeah, I'm just so honored to be here to speak at the House of Prayer. I remember, you know, years ago I'd come here, and I always remember Derek. He's one of my favorites, best encourager out there. He'll always give you some really awesome just words of encouragement. remember being a six-year-old telling me that I look sharp. still remember that. Um, yeah, and I'm just, I just want to honor Derek, just, the, just his faithfulness in this house, for the way that you've served so faithfully and stewarded every person that's come through here, for the way that you've loved so well, and you've seen every, every individual that's come through here, you've seen them with the Father's heart, and you've just honored them and loved them and seen them go on their way. And you've seen a lot of people come through, but I just want to honor the way that you've been so steady at that. Yeah. And um, so anyhow, my name's Caruso and um, I come from a big family. I have uh, nine siblings. Um, so that's pretty big. But um, I was out in, uh, recently I was out at IHOPKC for two years. And then like Derek said, I'm going to the mission field. But before that, I did a mission school with Iris Global. And uh, my mom suggested it, so I'm going to honor her and tell it. But there's a, a testimony that happened out there. Um, we, you know, we're in South Africa. We're doing a crusade. And this is just a short one. This is just like a little teaser for, for the rest of the night. But um, we're doing a crusade, and um, it's pretty empty. It's the beginning of the night. It's in a little village. And I'm in the back of the tent. You know, I'm pacing back and forth praying because that's what I like to do. And, um, and there's just these two kids outside the tent, and they're just kind of looking at the tent, and they're laughing, you know, they're pointing, they're giggling, and people in the tent keep looking back at the kids because they're kind of distracting. And so I'm like, oh man, you know, these whippersnappers need to get them in line out here distracting people from the Holy Spirit. Come on. And anyhow, so I go over to them, and I'm talking to them, I'm like, hey, like, what are you guys doing? And they're like, they don't really speak English, they're just like tent, and then they start laughing again. So I was like, oh, whatever. So I leave them alone, I go back to pacing. And um, I'm back there pacing. You know, trying to be spiritual, and then I look behind me, and they're both pacing with me. And I was like, "Man, like, come on, you're over here mocking me. I'm just trying to pace." And uh, you know, they're probably eight and nine or something. I don't know. They're pretty young. And I felt Holy Spirit be like, "No, leave them." Like, mimicry is one of the highest forms of flattery or something like that. I don't remember what it is, but I felt Holy Spirit be like, "No, leave them. Let them do it." So I was like, "All right." So I kept pacing. They kept pacing, and then I stopped pacing. I put my hands on my sides like this, and I was like, acting serious. And they they did the same thing. They put their hands on their side. They acted serious. So I put my hand on my chin like this, like I was thinking, and I said, hmm. And they put their hands on their chin, and they said, hmm. And then I was like, you know, this is a good opportunity, because worship's happening. So then I start dancing. I'm like, let's dance. And I start dancing, and they start dancing with me. And then, you know, before long, they're, they're really going for it. And then all these other kids come along, and before long, there's like 30 kids, and we're just, and I'm leading them in worship before the Father, just leading them, and you just feel the love of the Father over these kids, and they're dancing, you know, it doesn't matter where they came from, doesn't matter what their home life is like, they know that they're loved, and they are rejoicing in worship with the Father, and it's just such a beautiful thing to see Holy Spirit take one atmosphere and completely change hearts, change minds, and just change it all, and make it into something beautiful. So that's, that was just one thing that happened on the, on the trip that was really impactful for me and I thought was really neat. 
Um, I just wanted to share that. And um, towards the end of the trip, later on, you know, I go to Mozambique, and, and that's where I feel like God's called me to be, and I'm going to be helping pioneer a house of prayer. And uh, yeah, I'm going to be a full-time missionary there. It's going to be a house of prayer kind of in the, the middle of a medium-sized city, so there's some bigger buildings around some government offices, so we're, we're pretty excited to start a house of prayer right there in the very heart of the city to see what happens, where it spreads, and and hopefully see some neat stuff change in the government while we're there. But um, yeah, that's just kind of an update on what I'm doing. Um, if you have any questions, you can ask me about it later, too. I'm looking, if you want to pray for me, you can pray for uh, new funders. I'm looking to raise support, and also just visa stuff, because I'm going to be doing that. need that to go over there. Um, yeah, but tonight I'm going to be talking about partnering with God's heart through intercession. And I'm going to talk about just... The pieces of, of God's heart, the Father's heart, that are so beautiful that you can get a, an image of for somebody else. And I kind of need to give an example. But like, for instance, you see somebody at the grocery store, so many times we can see them through a, just a natural lens, just through a, a judgmental lens. It doesn't even have to be judgmental. It can just be regular or, or indifferent. But it's so beautiful when you catch the Father's heart for a people or a person or a nation and you, you get a glimpse of the way that he sees that person, and it burns in you. And it's beautiful. And I think the Father's heart is one of the most beautiful treasures that you can gather. Just the, the way that he feels about people, the way that he feels about Andre, the way that he sees each individual person, and the way that he delights over them and sings over them and speaks better words over them. And so I just want to kind of talk about that in the place of intercession of how do you get his heart? Like, like, why is it important to have his heart in intercession? So we're going to go to uh, Zechariah 3. I think it's, you probably know it. It's a pretty, pretty popular one when it comes to intercession and, and all that. So just turn there. It might take me a second to get there. Should have put a bookmark. Oops. Hold on. Well, while I'm turning there, um, I got a story about one of my cousins, just to kind of break the ice. One of my cousins, he was addicted to soap, but he's clean now. I know that was kind of in the middle of everything, but I just wanted to kind of, you know, break the ice, really make sure we were, we were okay and awake in here. Um, so Zechariah 3, I'm just going to read it. Then he, so this is Zechariah the priest. He's having an encounter with God. And it says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments, standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him again. He said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you and have clothed you with festal robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And I just kind of want to summarize this. So we see Joshua the high priest standing there. You know, he has filthy garments on. He's in the throne room of God and he's, he's dirty and he's filthy. And Satan's there accusing him. 
And it's not like Satan's accusing him of nothing or of empty, like, lies. It's, it's, it's facts. He's dirty. And Satan's saying, look, he's dirty. He's dirty. He's dirty. He's nothing that the eye can't see. He's very natural, easy to see that. He's dirty. Satan's saying, he's dirty. Look, it's kind of clear. But then we see the angel of the Lord is like, no, give him clean garments. And then we see Zechariah. He said, then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head. And the Lord didn't tell Zechariah to say that. Zechariah jumped in. He said, I'm jumping on this. I'm going with this. He was, he was feeling, he understood the heart of the father in that moment. And he said, yeah, yeah, like give him a clean turban. Give him a clean turban. Yes, I agree. Like take away his garments of, of filthiness. Like give him your righteousness. And so I think it's a beautiful picture that we're going to come back to a lot is just how we see um, Satan wanting to accuse people. God is, God's heart is for something totally different and how it's our job to partner and what God's doing and to take the initiative to agree with him and take it further. Is that making sense? Is that making sense being clear? Yes. All right, that's good. Yeah, and so I think the first part that I want to highlight is learning to intercede from a place of love. You know, it's so easy to pray for somebody because they're, all, they're on our nerves or they get on our nerves. So easy to pray for situations because we're anxious. So easy to, to, to be motivated by all sorts of things, but not motivated by love. And I think there's a, there's a story I want to share with you guys. It's, um, I heard it years ago, but it marked me. It's not my story. Um, there is a guy, and he, his wife was saved first, and he wasn't saved. And they lived married for 13 years. At the end of 13 years, he finally got saved, but his wife wasn't sa- was saved the whole time, and she'd been praying for it. And so when he got saved, she was angry with God, and she, was, she decided that she was done with God. She was like, I prayed for him for 13 years. Nothing happened. He was awful the whole time. You didn't answer me one time after 13 years. I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm done with him. I'm getting a divorce. It's over. So she's angry because she feels like all of her prayers were for nothing, and now he gets saved, and he's living the Christian life, and there's all this hurt and pain. She's in the bathroom one day, and she's just angry. You know what I mean? She's, she's having her moment. She's angry. And she's like, I prayed for 13 years, 13 years for him to get saved, and nothing happens until now. And she's like, why? Like, why, why is this okay? Why is this cool? And he speaks to her, and he says, you prayed for 13 years because he was an inconvenience to you, you prayed for 13 years because he was annoying. You didn't one time pray because you saw value in him. You didn't pray one time because you had love for him and you wanted him to, to walk in his destiny or in his calling or in his purpose. And he's like, that's why you didn't see your, answer, your prayers answered. And I think that's, that's a very hard truth to swallow at the end of the day. But I think it's important too to know that, that if you don't have love, like you, you really don't have anything, you know, like None of the gifts flow. Like, you can't, if you don't have love, you're not going to be able to prophesy. You're not going to be able to intercede. Like, love is really the foundational um, fruit that all the other gifts flow from. Like, if you don't have love, nothing's really going to happen. So, I mean, it it is a more serious story, but it's good. It's one of those stories that you take to your heart in the, the areas of compromise, and you go, no, I must have love. You're like, no, I cannot, I will not pray from a place of bitterness. I will not pray from a place of, 
of irritation. I will, I will get the Father's heart and I will pray from that place. And so I think this is, this is just kind of part one of, of standing in the place of love, of saying no to the accuser of the brethren, of saying, no, Father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at that church and I'm going to pray for them as though they were your bride. I'm not going to gossip about them. I'm not going to tell other people how that, that person annoyed me. I'm going to get in a quiet place, and I'm going to gain your heart for them. Like, I want to, like, this is good. Like, Father, I want to know you. Like, I want to know your heart for that person. Yeah, so I think gaining that, that ground of love, that ground of, of his heart, and even James talks about, you know, you don't have because you don't ask, and when you do ask, you ask with wrong motives, and I think that that falls in line with this as well, with intercession, is if you're asking an intercession for something that you have wrong motives for, you know, for, for whatever it is, I gave a couple examples already, but for that person to change, like, that's not gonna, you're not gonna get very far with that, and so I want to give just these little pointers of just, like, this might help you. Like next time you're in the, in the secret place, next time you're interceding, like try these little tips. You know, first gain his heart. First make sure you're standing on love because when you're standing on his love, you have so much more confidence. Like when you know that you're standing on his word with his promises and you're, you carry his heart, you have so much more authority. Like I heard somebody say, I think it was Heidi Baker, but she said, um, the way you grow in authority is you grow in love. Like, love basically equals authority. If you want greater authority, you grow in love. And so if you want greater authority in the place of your prayers being answered, if you want greater authority in the place of of words of knowledge and healings, whatever it is, grow in love. It's pretty simple. It's pretty fun. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, so the first part is kind of leaving behind the old, leaving the accuser of the brethren and saying, no, I'm going to stand with your heart, Father. I'm going to stand with your heart. When it comes to politics, I'm going to stand with your heart. When it comes to the president, I'm going to pray from a place of, of the Father's heart, and he desires him. He desires him to be saved. He desires him to walk in freedom. He desires, and you're, you, you're calling out the person's destiny and calling. Like, how beautiful is it when you pray for the lost, when you're going like, like, Father, like, I ask that you would save them, that you would save your lost sons and daughters. Like, like just, just picture it, like, the whole city before you, there's lost sons and daughters everywhere. They're broken, they're lost, they're hurting. Don't let their, their, their sin uh, bother you, but look at their value. Like, see who they are. They have callings on their life. They have destiny. Some were called to be worship leaders. Some are called to be pastors. Some are called to be stay-at-home moms that, that, that just pray over their kids and worship Him. And when you begin to see people the way that He created them, it gives you a new fuel. It gives you a new passion, a new desire. And all of a sudden, it isn't about you. It's about the Father being reunited with His children. It's about the Father getting His inheritance. It's about Jesus. Jesus receiving the reward of his suffering and it becomes you become a part of a story line that's bigger than yourself it's bigger than your own wishes it's bigger than your own your own 
prayerless. It becomes, you become of something so much greater. You become a part of the storyline of heaven. You become a part of the history books that are being written right now in heaven when you begin to intercede for the lost, for the broken, for those in your family that don't know him. You begin to actually make a difference and begin to write stories that people are going to remember. Like when you, um, when you go into, your, into the secret place and you pray and you begin to seek the Lord, like, like these are those moments where you're weeping before him, those moments where you're pouring out your heart like, like Hannah did in the temple, like those moments the Lord is recording, he's going to remember those. Like he, he won't forget those tears. It says in Psalms that, that every tear you shed, he holds in a bottle. And so don't be afraid to pour out your heart before the Lord. Don't be selfish with your own heart. Like, give it to the Lord. Be like, Lord, use my heart. Here's my emotions. Use me. Like, use my heart when it comes to whatever you want to pray for. I'm willing. I'm a vessel. I'll pray. I'll weep. I'll fast. I'll go for it. And I have a, I want, I want to share with you a quote that from C.S. Lewis that I feel like really just says it well. And I'll read it to you guys. But it's, there is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in the casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will not become unbreakable, impenetrable irredeemable the alternative tragedy or at least to the risk of tragedy is damnation the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and the per- and the perturbations of love is hell and so i'm i'm saying like yes it's painful many times in intercession to get his heart yes there is a groan that is often too deep for words yes there is a a real pain there that, that it's easier to be indifferent. It's easier to say, I'm going to leave the, the condition of my city to other people. I'll let them pray for them. I'm going to leave the condition of, of my family and I'm going to let somebody else pray for them. I'm going to leave the condition of my nation. You know, I'm not an intercessor. I'm not called to that. And I, and I want to give you an invitation of, of join, do something that's bigger than you. Like join in the narrative of heaven. Begin to, begin to join his story. Get his heart for people. Like, let his love burn in you. Like, would you become, what happens if we become carriers of his love? What happens if his love burns in us and we can't contain the love? And we're, we're, when, we, when we run into people at the grocery store that we've been interceding for, that love reaches out and it touches them. And I want to share another uh, uh, dream that a friend of mine had. This is more of a, is a sister, actually. And um, I feel like it really shows the heart of the Father and the pain that He feels towards the lost, towards the broken, because He does feel pain. He does have sadness towards those who don't know Him. It's a real emotion. And um, so anyhow, she has this dream. It's one of my sisters. And in the dream, for context, one of my other sisters is not walking with the Lord. She's turned her back on Him. You know, she's like, I don't believe in that anymore. I don't believe He's real Ah, yada, yada. And, um, and so my sister has a dream about her unsafe sister. 
And in the dream, she's basically she's in heaven. And the father's there. And he's and he has this beautiful house. And he's like, I created everyone's room perfectly for them. He's like, so and so, you know, you know, little Johnny, he loves cowboys. So I decorated his room with cowboy stuff. And I, I put the, you know, I, I put all these details and little work into each room so that we each person would have a very special room. And he gets to her room, the sister that isn't saved. And he goes, I put her bedroom next to the baby's room because I know she likes babies. And he said, I designed it perfectly for here, for her. And it's waiting for her. When she comes back, this room will be here for her. I have a place in my heart for her, and I feel like that's, that's the Lord's heart. He has a place in his heart for the lost, for the broken. He has a place in his heart that's special, that he's designed, he's thought out their stories, he's already given them callings and destinies, and he's just waiting for them to come home, like the prodigal son. He's sitting on the porch, and he's just waiting for them to come around that horizon. He's not begging, he's not weeping, he's not... Uh, full of self-pity. You know, I gave them my son. Is that not enough? No, he's waiting. He's saying, I, I, I paid the price for you and I have a destiny for you and I'm waiting for you to walk in that. I'm waiting for you to step into your calling. I'm waiting for the lost sons and daughters to come home. And this is a glorious thing that we get to partner with the father's heart and go, Lord, bring home the prodigals. Lord, bring home the lost. Bring home the broken, those who were designed to know you, those who were designed to walk with your spirit, those who were created and thought through like you, you created them in their mother's womb. You, you thought through their character. You thought through their personalities. You created them and he has a heart for them and he wants them. Like it's his desire. It burns in him that all men would know him. Like he came to seek and save all the lost. Yeah, and, I, and, and this is just such a beautiful thing. Like, his heart is so beautiful. There is nothing. There is no heart. There's no motive. There is nothing that is more beautiful than the motive of the Father's heart. Like, there is nothing more glorious than when you get a piece of his heart and you go, thank you. Like, it's, uh, it's just so wonderful. And I know you guys know this, but I just want to encourage you, like, keep letting his heart transform your heart. Let your heart beat at the same rhythm as his. Let the, the feelings, the emotions that he has, let them, let them resound in you till you become like him, till his heart is fully in you. Amen? Yeah, and I want to talk a little bit about, um, I mean, I'm still talking about it, but um, uh, what justice is, because when we're praying for these people, when we see them, we're asking for the Father to release his justice. And this is, this is going to be more the line of intercession. I've talked about the heart of intercession, but I want to talk now about like what intercession looks like. Like what is that? How can you, how can you enter in? Like, yes, you have all these emotions now. Now I'm, now I'm overwhelmed with the emotions of the Father, and I want to see these people saved. And I'm like, yes, save them, Lord. But like, how, how do I pray for that? And so I want to give you just a couple more like tools or images or glimpses of, of how to do that, of what that looks like. And so um, I found this def- definition of justice, and I think it's true. It's justice is God making wrong things right. I think that's pretty simple. You know, justice, it's what God does. Um, and I think uh, it's Luke 18, 
It says, Shall not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? He will bring about justice for them speedily. And we have a promise there that if you continually pray and you persevere and you don't give up, that he will answer you, that he will bring about justice. And um, I stole this right out of Mike Bickle's notes, so uh, just, just FYI, but he gives a couple examples of what justice looks like on the earth. And one of the examples is, um, is healing, is God's judgment on sickness. Pretty simple. Healing is God's justice on sickness. Revival is God's judgment on compromise, um, as seen in the church, being revived by the Spirit. Uh, soul winning is God's judgment on the kingdom of darkness. And time judgments are God's judgments against the Antichrist. Um, righteous legislation is God's judgment on unrighteous laws like abortion and whatnot. And so these are just a couple points of like, here's what you can intercede for once you carry his heart. Like once you carry his heart for the lost, you can say, Father, I ask for justice against the kingdom of darkness. I ask that you would remove blinders. I ask that, that you would um, move the darkness, that you would move the spiritual atmospheres, that you would cause your light to shine, that, that they would see you. And yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a part of intercession is actually um, like praying for shifts and change and for him to move and see his justice to come. And, and these examples that I gave you, these are in the word and you can find the promises for healing. You can find the promises for revival or his Holy Spirit coming. You can find the promises for, for you know, people seeing the light, for seeing Jesus and so I want to encourage you to, to go find those scriptures. Like, where does it say that healing is a promise? Where does it say that, that if you ask for his spirit, he'll, he'll give it? Where does it say that he wants all men to be saved? And I want to encourage you to go find those, those scriptures, because when you stand on the word, you're standing not just in your own opinions. You're not standing anymore on your, it's, it becomes, it's a part of, it's where your prayer life becomes bigger than you is when you begin to stand on his word and you begin to carry his heart. Like, don't just pray your own, like, yes, pray your own words, your voice is power, but let your words be fueled with his word. Like, speak his word back to him. Like, he says, um, come to me all who are sick, weary, heavy laden. Take that promise. You said, if, if I were weak and heavy laden, I'd come to you that you'd give me rest. And then you pray his words back to him, and he does it. And so it's just, a fun thing is just praying his words back to his heart. Praying his words with his heart back to him. And you see, it's just fun. Yeah, prayer reading's fun. Anyhow, <laughs> getting a little distracted. Um, yeah, so stand on the word and the knowledge of his will and let his heart be your backbone in the place of intercession. Like, let that be what motivates you, what stands you up, what keeps you from taking no for an answer. Like, so many times you can, we can get discouraged and and we pray for something and we don't see it right away. And we're like, oh, maybe it wasn't the Lord's will. You know, maybe this is going to take years. I don't know. Maybe am I really up for this to pray for this thing for 10 years? Maybe I should just wait nine years and pray the last year, you know? And, and it's, yeah, like let his word and his heart be your backbone. Like, like there were a couple moments in the prayer room at IOPKC where I had to learn how to actually pray without taking no for an answer without letting the fear and the condemnation 
or the, the, just the fear of like, well, what if this doesn't work? Like sometimes, you know, you're, you're praying for something. You're like, you know, Lord, save my, my, my aunt or whatever it is, that, that one person, you know, save them, save them. And then you have those little thoughts of like, well, it might not happen, you know, like maybe it's not going to happen this year. Maybe it's not going to happen next year. And so I had to learn how to, how to say no to those thoughts and say, I'm not taking no for an answer. Like I know his heart, I know his word, and I'm going after it. And this is going to shift. This situation is going to move. And so I want to like say learning to not take no for an answer is, is a really good quality. Learning to stand on his heart and say, I know his heart, I know his word, I'm standing on that, and I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to press in. And though, I think those moments are where you have some of the most powerful moments of intercession where you become spiritually hungry enough and spiritually desperate enough to not care anymore. Where you go, I don't, I don't care about other people's opinions. I don't care if so-and-so says healing isn't for today. I don't care if, I don't care what it is, what situation is, it's going to move and I'm going to see it move and I'm telling the situation to move and it will be moved. Like the storm will cease. And yeah, like learning to Keep your, keep like the, the point of your steel sharp in the face of adversity. That when you're praying and there's those lies, those thoughts, all the accusation, learning to keep your sword sharp and go, no, this will change. That by the grace of God, this will change. Like you, this person will be saved. There will be a shift over this city. Like I'm not taking no for an answer anymore. I've seen enough. I've, I've, I've been through it enough. I'm now spiritually hungry enough, desperate enough. I carry his heart and it's going to change. And so I just want to say that there's a place for not taking no for an answer. There is a place in intercession where you get hungry enough and you go, this is going to move. And it's a, it's a fun place to be. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's fun. Sometimes I know, I know in the beginning when I would have those moments of I'm not taking no for an answer and it was, it was Holy Spirit coming upon me, and he was, he, was, he was really saying, like, you need to have a backbone. Like, like, God the Father sits enthroned, like Jesus sits enthroned above the circle of the earth. He rules the nations, you know, he's, he's there. He's confident in who he is, and we're his sons and daughters, and we carry out the kingdom for him. We walk in authority that he gave us, and it's our jobs to begin to walk in that authority, too, with confidence and boldness. Like it is. And, and when I first had those moments happen, it would manifest itself in like anger, where I'd become really angry. And I'd become angry at the situation or different things. That, and I had to learn how to go, oh, this is Holy Spirit. And he wants me to actually war in the spirit, to war in the place of intercession against evil, against darkness and war for the sake of love. And, and it's, sometimes it's new. Sometimes you have fun stuff happen, but learning to control your emotions and direct them. There were a couple of times in the very beginning where I would just, it would just, I would just get angry and I didn't know why. And so I'd end up getting angry at God. And then I'd be like, I thought this night started out great. I was feeling intercession and all of a sudden I'm angry at you and I don't know how that happened. But it took me a while to learn, oh, this is, this is a intercessory burden that I need to carry in the place of intercession and keep love as a foundation. Because if love isn't your foundation, then you can just, you know, you'll go way off into the sides and corners and all of a sudden your prayers aren't effective anymore. But learning to pray from, from a place of desperation. Like how many of you have situations in your life right now where you're going, I would like, I'm, situations in your life of brokenness 
and disparity and hardship of either your life or people's lives that you've seen that you're going, I want to see changed. Like how many of you would say, that's me, I know somebody who's broken or, or I have a situation in my life that needs change. Like how many of you would raise your hand to that? Yeah, it's most of us, right? Like, yeah, there's situations and things that need to be changed and need to, need to like get redeemed. And, I, and I'm going to bring up another quote now to kind of, to kind of, C.S. Lewis just says it better than I can, so I'm just going to read his quote. But, um, so I'm going to read another uh, C.S. Lewis quote. And he said, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambitions with, when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it means, what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. And yeah, I think like getting his heart and saying no to it, saying no, it's not okay. Like, no, this situation is not, it's not okay. It's not cool. Like this situation at my workplace, the situation where, where so-and-so doesn't know Jesus and they live day in, day out for themselves, where they're always hopeless, where they're always broken, where whenever I try and tell them about Jesus, they get angry. Like, no, this situation isn't okay. Susie, you know, that person at workplace, she needs somebody to fight for her and I'm going to take up I'm going to take up the mantle and I'm going to take responsibility for them and I'm going to pray for them. Or it could be a family member. This situation is not okay. I'm going to get his heart for them and I'm not going to become satisfied or become indifferent. I'm not going to let my heart grow cold in the coffin of my own selfishness. No, I'm going to lend myself to his spirit and I'm going to say, pray through me. Pray through me. Intercede through me. Like, use my heart. Like, use my emotions. Like, Holy Spirit, come, you know? And I think something fun that happens when you begin to open yourself up to the heart of the Father, when you begin to open yourself up to knowing Him, you, you begin to learn who He is. Like, you can, you can pray your own prayer list for years, but never discover what His prayer list is. You can pray for years, you know, I, oh, I need point A, B, C, D, you know, I need, I need these four things met in the next week. God, break in, you know, do it, and then you leave. But when you stay there and you linger, you begin to learn what matters to him. What's on his heart? What does he care about? You know, and I think one, one way that this really manifested itself when I was at IHOP, and, and I'm still learning in it and walking in it, is learning to pray for Israel. I was like, why would I pray for Israel? Who, like, why? You know, I don't get it. And, and, I, and there was an invitation one night where the Lord said, he said, will you pray for a people that you don't know? Will you pray for a, a children that like you didn't raise? He's like, will you pray for them because it's on my heart, not because it's on yours? And so just learning to yield to him. It's a beautiful thing. Learning to just say, I'll pray for them because you find it important. I'll pray for this subject because you say it's, it's, it needs to change. Yeah. Um, let me think here. Yeah, and so I just want to um I just want to pray over you guys. It's coming to an end. You know, we saw the the um Zechariah 3 where the accuser of the brethren is there. 
and Joshua, and we see the Lord do something beautiful, and his heart is made manifested, and Zechariah or Zachariah joins in, and he says, yes, do that. And so I just want to pray for you guys that, that the Lord would impart to you guys his heart, that he would stir up a spiritual hunger in you guys, that you would have a fresh zeal in the place of intercession, that you would have a fresh zeal for the brokenness, for the lost, for the hurting, that there would be a fresh tenacity in your heart. And so I just want to, if you're saying like, yeah, I want to know the Father's heart. Like, yeah, I want to know more of it. I want to get reconnected with that. Or yeah, I want more energy in the place of prayer. I want more zeal in the place of intercession. I want to care about these matters like they're real. I just want to invite you to stand and I'm just going to, I'm just going to pray a general blessing over you guys, a general impartation. Yeah, so Father, I just thank you right now. We say, come Holy Spirit, come and blow across this room. I ask that you would blow across the embers of these hearts. And Father, I ask for an impartation of your heart, that they would know your heart, Father. That when they go to the grocery store, they would be hit with sudden burdens of intercession. That when they go into the secret place, you would drop a bomb on them of, of your of your heart that aches for a lost and broken people. Father, I ask that you would release nations on hearts tonight. I ask that you would release the, the passion and the zeal of Jesus upon hearts tonight. I ask for, for those who have brokenness in their own households, those who have brokenness in their families. God, I ask that, that you would release a grace to intercede for those situations, that they would intercede and they wouldn't stop until your presence broke in, until they saw the breakthrough. Father, I ask that you would begin to release burdens, that you would begin to release just the presence of your spirit upon hearts right now. Father, I even ask for those online that you would touch them as well, that you'd begin to stir hearts with zeal, with passion, that they would begin to yearn with the same yearning of the Father's heart, that they would begin to, to burn with the same uh, fire that burns in Jesus' eyes. Holy Spirit, I just say, come and mark. Come and mark in a new way. Just come, Holy Spirit. Come and blow. Come and mark. Come and overshadow. I just thank you for them. I ask that you would bless them, that you would shower them with your love, Lord, that they would know that they're loved, that they would know their value, above, that they would know their value first. Lord, that before they pray for anyone else, before they ask for anything else, that they would know that they are loved, that they would know that they are held, that they are cherished, that you are a good father who doesn't just want to rejoice over the prodigal, but that you want to rejoice over the son who's been laboring for years. Father, I ask for just refreshing. Just come and refresh these ones. Thank you for... Uh, stirring them to come out tonight. I ask that you would just honor that and bless them. In Jesus' name. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.